up with. How would you define worship? Any act of praise or submission? Willing submission to God. It's pretty good. I like that. All right, Steph, what about your table? Yeah, yeah, who's the speaker? Sid? Giving God glory through what he's blessed you with. That's pretty good. <laughs> okay, some ups, upset people over here or something. All right, Mary Lou, are you the spokesman? What did you guys? So complete, shh, 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 complete adoration of God and surrendering your will. Yeah. I like that. I like the, the language of surrender. All right. Shh. You guys, you guys should like have the best definition, by the way, because you're going to be last. So, yeah. Huh? Jackson. <laughs> shh. Glorifying or showing adoration to God. Simple, to the point. Good. They might have added the word adoration afterwards. Yeah, did you guys Google that? All right, Erica, who's your spokesman? Jordan? Shh. Hey, shh. I need to be able to hear Jordan. Shh, shh, shh. Praising him with an open heart, mind, and soul, and giving him your all. And then Erica says something about, like, how it's like God gives us breath in our lungs, and, like, when we praise him, we, like, give him his breath back. Cool. I like that. That's in a song. Oh, it's Lily Giglio. It's not Erica. It's cool. All right, I like that. Bo, who's your spokesman back there? Winton Clark. Let's go. Wonton Winton. Good. I like that. All right. That was good, Winton. Bo, I'm glad you supplied them with that answer. <laughs> All right, ladies in the back. Maddie, does that mean you're the spokesman or? Giving praise and glory to God in everything that we do. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, Ethan. Shh. Praising or honoring God through words or through actions. Awesome. So, um, what I think is so good about, uh, about you guys, hey, hey, let's, let's, let's kind of hone it back in here. Let's focus in and, um, for, for 15 to 20 minutes, okay? Shh, 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 shh. What I think is so good that you guys reflected in your definitions of worship is that oftentimes in the, the situations, the context that I was raised in, worship only meant singing, Right? When we talk about worship music, we talk about worship services, worship as an idea was confined to singing and music. And it was also confined to services that we attend on Sundays. But what's so, so um, not, not bad, but it's so unfortunate that worship gets confined to those categories because worship is a complete perspective. It, it shows how we should live our whole life as a Christian. Worship defines how we should live our whole life as a Christian. And Pastor Bobby talked about that this morning. But when we hear worship as Bible Belt Christians, we usually translate, translate that into singing or worship services. But worship is so much more. When we look in scripture at the Hebrew word and the Greek word for worship, we get this basic idea of to bow down. 
A lot of times, the same word that is translated worship in, in Hebrew is just also talking about when someone knelt before a king or something like that. So the, the word worship in Bible, the basic foundational meaning of it means to bow down. So when we speak of worship, we are speaking of bowing down. When we worship God, we are bowing down to God. We're recognizing that he is the Lord, he is king, and we are in his service. So when we express that God is the king over the universe and our lives, when he is worthy of that, that we are serving him, we worship God. So bowing down, not only physically, but spiritually, bowing down, saying, God, you are king, you are Lord, you are worthy of those things. In that expression, we are worshiping, right? So much more than singing, so much more than serving, right? Or, or the service that we attend on Sunday. Worship is our, is our whole lifestyle of saying that God is king and Lord over our lives, and he's worthy of it. So I want us to turn to the same passage that Pastor Bobby used today, Romans 12, right? Pastor Bobby spoke about this this morning, um, but this is one of the, the biggest or one of the best verse to show that worship is bigger than singing. It's bigger than a Sunday service. It's not simply an activity. It's part of your identity as a Christian. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, acceptable and holy to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Other translations would say this is your spiritual act of service, or this is your true worship, right? So you can kind of see here, Paul is saying that your, your life, your whole life is supposed to be laid down, and when that happens... That is worship. So we just finished our Romans series, right? And Romans, Romans chapter 12 is an important marker in the letter of Romans. For the first 11 uh, chapters of Romans, Paul's been talking about the richness of the gospel, what it means for both the Jew and the Gentile as it pertains to having faith and what that means about the Holy Spirit and this rich kind of theological dialogue. And then he, he comes to chapter 12 and it's like, how does that affect your life? How does that transform the way you live? Not simply about what you know, but how you live. How is it functional? How does it practice? How do you practice the gospel in your life? And the first thing he talks about is what? Worship. Worship. And he's saying, you live your whole life in total dedication to God, and that is worship. Worship is when, with your every fiber of your being, you say, God is king, God is Lord, and he's worthy of it. And if everything in your life is pointing to that, that is worship. So with that, I want to give you a definition of worship. Now, you guys, you guys all had great definitions. I, I totally agree with that. Um, but I'm going to give you the one that will kind of carry us through this series. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of hit on why I think this is a good definition of worship. But definition of Christian worship, and this is at the top of your handout. Christian worship is the sincere satisfaction in God that displays his worth. Christian worship is the sincere satisfaction in God that displays his worth. When we talk about worship, 
This is what we're talking about. We're talking about being so deeply satisfied in God, finding our joy in God, that we reflect, display, express, praise Him and do it in such a way that shows that He's worthy. So that's all. We're going we're gonna to break down why I use those phrases, and then I'm going to explain to you why this series is called Worship 1, 2, 3, and uh, then we'll move on from there. Okay, so... Uh, Christian worship is the sincere satisfaction in God that displays his worth. First phrase there, why do I use the word Christian? Why, do I, why don't we just say worship? Why do we have to clarify Christian worship? It's because in reality, we all worship something. When you think about it, all of us worship something. The goal is not simply to be worshipers, but we want to be Christian worshipers. Because we all worship something. As human beings, we were designed in the image of God, right, to reflect God. And what that means is we were designed to be worshipers. We were designed to display his worth, his glory. So in our design as human beings, we were meant to worship. We were made to worship. Part of who you are is, is... this desire to worship something. So here's the thing. Because of the fall, because of Genesis 3, sin enters the world. It wrecks and corrupts God's good design. It, it even wrecks and disrupts that design in us to worship God. So what do we do? We turn our worship from God to worship others, creation, ourselves. We turn to worship and display the worth of things that are not worthy Right? So it's not a matter of you are worshiping or you are not worshiping. It's a matter of who you're worshiping. Really, it's impossible for us not to worship. You will go through life worshiping something, whether it be success and however you define that, whether it be pleasure, whether it be money, whether it be popularity, sports success, whatever, you will worship something. It's impossible for you not to. So that's why we have to clarify it's Christian worship because you will go through life worshiping something. So we have to make sure that what we are worshiping, what we are expressing as most worthy is God. So the question is not whether we worship, but what or whom do we worship? If you look at your life, if you take a step back, what are your values and your habits saying about what you worship? Guys, let, let, me, let me clue you in here. If you spend eight hours a day playing NBA 2K, you're worshiping not only NBA 2K, but you're worshiping entertainment, you're worshiping distraction, you're worshiping yourself and your own pleasures, right? There's this deep-rooted idol in your life, and your time and your habits reflect that. If you want nothing to do with God, his word, with gathering as believers in Christ to sing his praises, you might have a worship issue. You might be worshiping your own comfort and desires more than God. Right, so your time, your values, and your habits reflect what you really worship. So do you worship sports? Do you worship academics? Or do you worship God? Is your worship Christian worship? Next phrase I want to look at is sincere satisfaction in God, right? Kind of some big words, sincere satisfaction, right? So what, what am I talking about there? 
we see this phrase, and what I mean by this is that your expression, your demonstration, and what you do and say in life is always related to your heart. What you do is always tied back into what you love, what your heart says, what your heart cherishes. The direction of your actions are always tied to what you find to be most satisfying. Think about this. What do you find to be the most satisfying thing in life? Is it watching the new Netflix shows? Is it binge-watching whatever shows out now? I don't even know. Right? Is it, is it beating that rank on the video game? Is it making it to the state championship? Is it becoming a college athlete? Is it being a straight-A student? Do you find those things to be most satisfying? Because your actions and how you live will reflect that. And what I'm saying is that is what you're worshiping. What you worship is what you value the most, what you find to be most satisfying, and your actions will follow that. So if you truly and sincerely find popularity or sports or academics or comfort or money to be most satisfying to you, then you will dedicate hours upon hours to fulfilling that satisfaction. So if we truly want to express God's worth, if we truly want to be worshipers of God, if we want to demonstrate Christian worship, then we will have to find our true satisfaction in God. We will have to find our true satisfaction in God. We cannot express worship to God if our hearts are not truly satisfied in Him. Listen, you will never worship God. You will never be totally dedicated to God if your heart is not satisfied in him. You just won't do it. It's not how God has designed you to operate. God has designed you to follow after your strongest desires. You will always do what you feel most strongly about doing. It's how you work. That's how we work as human beings. So we have to get to our desires. We have to dig deep, right? So as, as we think about worship, turn to Isaiah 1. I just, um, uh, nope, that's not the slide. Uh, turn to Isaiah 1. I went uh, through this passage with, with the band before we came out. Um, but this is such an intriguing passage to me. Uh, the prophet Isaiah uh, talking about uh, the people of Israel. And this is what he says to me, or this is what he says to the people of Israel. He says, what to me... And that's God. What, what to God is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams, of the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to, be, to, to appear before me, who is required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain, useless, meaningless offerings. Even your incense is an abomination to me. The new moons and the Sabbaths and the calling of convocations or their gatherings. God says, I cannot endure iniquity in solemn assembly. Your new moons, your appointed feasts, my soul hates. Let that sink in. God hates that. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. And this is why. Your hands are full of blood. So what this passage is talking about is, is 
God is looking down on his people who are doing all of the right things. They are doing all of the offerings. They are co- committing all the sacrifices that they're supposed to do. They're, they're engaging in the new moon festivals and the Sabbaths and, and all this. And God says, I hate it. It's disgusting to me. What you're doing is a show. It's fake because there's blood on your hands. In other words, deep in your heart, you don't love me. You're just doing this to get me off your back. You're just doing this to put on a show. Right? So the radical thing, it's crazy that you can be doing the right things in worship. You can be showing up on Sunday night. You can be doing the table discussion. You can be praying with one another. You can be singing the songs. And yet, God looks down, sees your heart that's far from him, and and he's disgusted by it. That's possible. Because this, this this is the whole thing. You have to know that God is after your heart. God is after your deepest desires. He doesn't want you simply to do all the right things. He wants you to love him and to see him as your ultimate desire, to find your sincere, true satisfaction in him alone. And then from that, let your worship, your expression, your demonstration come. It's crazy, guys. He, he, God is so after what your heart wants. He wants you to want him. And he did that. He demonstrated that by sending Jesus to pay for your sin, to take upon himself the debt, the wretchedness, the dirt of your life, and put it on himself so he can pay that penalty. And then Jesus says, now you take my perfection. You take my perfect score. And be in my family. Amazing, right? So God's after your heart. He's after your soul. He doesn't want you to simply put on a show. So we cannot simply have the right expression but it must flow from the right heart. It must flow from the right heart. So that's why it's important. When we use our definition of worship, of Christian worship, we have to talk about uh, finding our satisfaction, our heart's desires in God. The next phrase I use is display his worth, right? In the most basic sense, when you talk about worship, worship is a response and it's an expression, Worship is displaying something. So uh, the basic meaning of the word, right, was to bow down. So when someone bows down, they're not merely thinking about bowing down. They're not really just feeling about bowing down. It's this expression. It's this display. It's a demonstration. So it's an outward action. So they are showing, displaying, or expressing that the object of their worship is worthy. They're showing that. It's not simply in their hearts, in their minds. They're They're showing that to other people. So although worship begins in the heart, true worship will then express or display that inward belief or affection. If you have a, if, listen, if you have a sincere satisfaction in God, if deep down in your heart you love God, then you will display how worthy and how awesome he is. It will not be difficult for you to turn that inward feeling and love into an outward expression. So, do you treasure God above all things? Then you will express that. And uh, one of my favorite uh, theologians, a guy named John Piper, um, this is what he says about worship. He says, the inner essence of worship is to know God truly 
and then respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing God so you know who God is and then you respond with your heart by valuing it, treasuring God, prizing God, being satisfied with God above all earthly things and then that deep, restful, joyful satisfaction in God overflows. It overflows into demonstrable acts of praise from the lips and demonstrable acts of love and serving others for Christ. So worship begins in the heart and overflows into two basic things, into visible acts of praise and love. We worship God, clearly one of the two main ways we worship God is through acts of praise and acts of love. We usually talk a lot about the acts of praise part, right? We talk about singing about God and singing to God, but how often do we think about worship being how we love our neighbor, right? Like we worship God through serving broken people, through seeing a difficult circumstances and sacrificing ourselves to heal that circumstance or whatnot. We worship through visible acts of praise and love. So because of this, we are not merely talking about what we know or believe about God when we talk about worship. We're not merely talking about how we feel about God, although that really matters. We're also talking about how we display what we know and how we display how we feel about God. That he is ultimately worthy, ultimately worthy to be served, praised, and loved. So that will be the important thing to remember. This definition, these kind of three things of Christian worship's all about God, right? We are all worshipers. We're all worshiping something. We have to make sure that that worship is, is rooted in who God is, that we're directing our life's worship to God, and that it flows from our heart and then overflows into acts of praise and love. So Christian worship, the sincere satisfaction of God in God that displays his worth. So why is this series called Worship 123? I'm going to explain that, and that's kind of going to be our, um, what do you call it, like when you're writing a paper, outline, as we kind of continue on the next, what's three plus two plus one, six, uh, six weeks um, that will be in this series. So Worship one. Two, three. Uh, there's a guy named Mike Cosper who's a uh, um, an author, and I stole this directly. Stole this from him. Um, is so. I guess that's right to do. Not take credit for it myself. But this is what it stands for: worship. One, two, three. Worship. There's one object in worship, and that's God. Right. The only one we are to worship. The only one. We are to worship is God. Worship is not directed towards man, towards churches, towards systems, towards nonprofits, towards institutions, towards Fox News, towards Liberty University. It is to God, right? We worship God and God alone. There's two contexts. You guys know what a context is? Kind of like an environment or a situation or an area where something takes place. So we worship as we gather, that's what we're doing right now, and when we scatter. So we worship inside the church building and outside the church building. Worship happens on Sundays and on weekdays. Church happen, or worship happens in church services and outside of church services. So we'll talk about how we worship in each of those contexts. So one object, 
two contexts, and there's also three audiences. Um, there's a big, famous, not a big, famous, a famous worship song when I was in high school called uh, Audience of One. You guys know that song? All of you, great. Uh, big Daddy Weave. You guys know Big Daddy Weave? This was their first big hit. To my early, yeah. All of my impressions, let me, let me clue you in on something. All of my impressions of popular Christian bands sound like Creed or Nickelback or Third Day. Like, it's just like, her. So uh, their first big hit was Audience of One, talking about how God, he, there's only one audience when we worship. But when you look through scripture, there's actually three. When we worship, God is our audience. He's looking down, but also one another, right? When we worship one another, um, everyone in this room is looking at us and we're displaying how God is worthy to them. And then there's others or nations. We show, uh, we worship um, and show how, how God is worthy to other people outside this room. In the Psalms, a lot of times um, David talks about how he's singing and, and how the nations hear him singing or are looking on to what he's singing. Right? So there's three audiences in worship, not only one. So that will kind of be our, our outline as we move forward, that uh, we'll look at how God is the one object, and then we'll spend two weeks looking at the context, three weeks looking at the audiences. But he, in all of this, I'm really excited about this series, not because it's super cool or anything like that, but because this is a basic way that you are to live your life as Christians in this world. You guys are supposed to be, you are called to be people who are so deeply satisfied in who God is and what he has done in the gospel that you display how awesome 